0: Well, you're turning there, and we begin to open up God's word. I um, went walking around Kyle's neighborhood this morning, and uh, I found myself somewhat emotional <laughs> as I thought about meeting this church. And uh, in a fatherly way, uh, my wife and I, Kathy, my bride of 41 years, we got to watch Kyle and Kelsey come together uh, in marriage. Kyle Forgo, thoughts of a postgraduate degree in physical therapy as he fell in love with the church, and then community group leadership, a pre-pastor's college internship at our church, uh, off to the pastor's college, and all the fun it is in sending someone away for a year, come back, um, it's, it's been a real joy to, to watch this process uh, over the last decade. So, in a fatherly way, um, it's just fun to see. But as I thought about meeting you, I recounted numerous times that as we released Kyle to come over here um, to explore a church plant, we prayed many times lord for those unnamed people that you will gather lord for those leaders for people like jeff and taylor and jason and others that you will bring together and then this morning i have the privilege of meeting some of you it's very impactful when you get to see all that develop. Some would say our church was very sacrificial. The truth be known, we're a couple of bumbling idiots, as you probably already figured out this guest speaker is. Uh, And mostly the Lord just had to get us out of the way because when we had Kyle there, our thinking was to really learn how to pastor, you need to probably be here about 10 years before you church plant. (laughs) And Kyle kept saying, I feel called to Southern California. Called to, and then eventually Santa Ana. And so here we are. So here we are. So what a blast for me. But let's move on and open up God's Word. I'm going to read from John 13, and I want to read verses 31 to 35. And two goals for this message one, that we see the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ represented in his people. That's always our goal. But as a as a 1A, I want you to fall in love with what you'll see from John's first epistle as a way to help understand this text. So that's that's a little bit of a sub-agenda. But let's read John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. And I'm reading from the ESV version. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I have two requests as we have now read your word. One, that you would help this guest preacher. For every guest preacher is tempted to come and impress, but the call here is to come and serve. So help me to be a servant as we unpack your word. But then secondly, Lord, we want this living and active word to have an effect and impact on our life. We dare say to transform our thinking. To move us from one degree of glory to another as we know and love and worship you. Would you grant these requests, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've come to think and believe that high school has got to be the strangest, weirdest, and most bizarre social experiment uh, in, in our day and age. In high school, And a little bit in junior high, too. Do you realize that our kids emotionally give away, and sometimes much more, a lot, and sometimes with far-reaching impacts in those few short years? Much of it revolves around wanting to identify. I want to identify with the jocks. So I give away all sorts of things, sometimes biblical convictions, sometimes other things. I want to be associated with and identify with the cool people, and on and on again. Then on a certain date in May or other school districts in June, in your senior year, you graduate, and you all go in your different direction. It's just the most bizarre thing, and yet at a young age, you get Exposed to how profound this desire for identity really is. And we do it all through our lives. We do it all through our lives. We wear a name tag to identify. We do something on our Facebook pages to identify. Even in our region, if your pastor hasn't shared, Eric Trebetsky, our fearless leader, created a coin that the pastors have and must carry every time we gather to identify us as a West region of pastors. And of course, if we went on and on, we could talk about identity politics and the abuse of certain identities. We're going to learn a very profound lesson today about identity. But here's what we're going to learn, put in one sentence. The beauty of the church is the love of God transforming the people of God to be identified of God. The beauty, lots of facets, lots of aspects of the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church starts with the love of God. The love of God transforms the people of God to be identified of God. If you're a note taker, real simple, three points, a new reality, a new commandment, a new identity. So let's look back at our text, a new reality. We're up in the upper room here. Judas has just departed, and John picks it up and says, when he had gone out, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now. Now, and a very important word, now is the Son of God glorified. Now." I will be glorified. Who knows what the disciples are thinking. Now? Now the Son of Man is going to be glorified? What about the transfiguration? I saw it. At least three of them did. What about when Jesus told the storm, cool it, settle down, and the storm stopped? Now you're going to be glorified? What about when Jesus took command and controlled the demons to go into the water? What about the glory of seeing a dead man, Lazarus, come out of the grave? These disciples had seen a lot. A guy with a little lunch bag, and Jesus feeds thousands. But yet, he records Jesus as saying, now. Now the Son of God will be glorified. Well, what's going on here? What's going on here? We actually have to go back into the last section. So turn back in your Bibles. In section just previous to this, the little statement above the paragraph might, be, might say, One of you will betray me. We see in here that Jesus says in verse 21, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then Peter being the. Uh, First amongst equals, he kind of non-verbally says to John, "Hey,
1: ask him who it's going to be."
0: And we see that in verse twenty-six, Jesus answers John. You know the way they ate back then; they kind of leaned back, so this would have been very close quarters. Jesus says, "It's it is to whom I will give this morsel of bread that I have dipped." And something. I'm going to submit to you, something happens here that I believe, from my study, is an absolute life-transforming, life-defining moment for the Apostle John. Because if you look at verse 29, it seems evident that when Judas left, none of the others knew what was going on. None of the others, he took care of the money. He's going to go pay the utility bill, whatever. They don't know. He's going to go get some money to the poor. Uh, Little did they know he was about to go do a financial transaction that would betray the Savior. But for John, an absolute radical new reality is setting in. You see, it seems evident that John heard in a whisper that it was going to be Judas. And he probably had his eyes opened up to a level of revelation of what was going on that the others might have been blinded to. So if that's true, think about it. Jesus says, it's the one who I give the morsel to. Judas leaves, the others don't know what's going on. And imagine the intense emotional shifting going on in his mind. Not. Judas, the one that takes care of all the money, redefining memories. Now I understand why he was so incredulous that Mary would use that kind of money to pour ointment, to buy and pour ointment on the Savior's feet. Judas wanted to control that money, so he was all torqued about it. Over and over, memories, three years of friendship. With Judas and Jesus now ushers in the betrayal, puts in motion that Judas, one of the 12, is going to betray him. So much in his mind would have been redefined. So much his mind must have just been spinning if he just grasped in a small way what Jesus just put. In motion. So Jesus washes their feet in an absolute display of humility, of servanthood. He puts Judas in motion in a stunning display of loving your enemies. If John all of a sudden realized Jesus has loved Judas like us, and all along knew he was his. Betrayer. He must have been
1: just stunned. A proud, a profound, and defining moment,
0: quite possibly. And I don't think it's too much to say what might have happened as he listens in, the one who I give the bread to, and he goes. And seismic shifts are going on. It's probably not too far fetched to think John might have finally said to himself, Oh my, I'm
1: having supper with God Almighty that controls
0: everything, even his betrayer. That is a profound moment for him to take in in
1: this. Scene. To know my
0: wife and I is to learn of how God saved us, and we were in college. I was a pretty weak and mediocre college student, uh, had multiple majors in various pharmaceuticals and so forth, uh, and that was supposed to be funny. In my junior year, I still was switching my major every semester, it seemed like, and uh, in that fall semester, Kathy gets pregnant, and uh, it's starting to weigh in on me, and I get through uh, the first four or five exams, and then you ever had one of those semesters, if you guys are students or recently can remember this, you know, you have a cluster of exams, and you have a whole week before your last one, you, you got to stay in that mode, that was what this semester was, and my final exam was organic chemistry, and I'll never forget it. I really liked the subject. I just was kind of flaky, never interacted with the professor, and I decided I'm going to get some help. So I go in on a Monday, I see him, and here's what's interesting. Through some conversations, the Spirit of God came. I believe God caused me to be born again in that chemistry professor's office. I remember him opening up the Bible. I remember me trying to sort through and talk about what a little bit i knew about that and i think he like shared the roman road with me because later on i started to go to his church and i heard that phrase i think that's what dr nelson did but nothing really specific the day i'm born again i just walked out of there a little different and eventually god started to change me and it all made sense one of those kind of dramatic turnarounds two days later kathy my girlfriend and i are going to uh, uh, get a pregnancy test. Now, to give away how old I am, this is December 1980. So, you know, Roe v. Wade's back in the news. I mean, this is only seven years after that court case. So, she c- cuts out a coupon from the Wildcat newspaper. We didn't even know it. it was an abortion clinic, but they were all so new back then. So, I'm sitting in the lobby, and she goes in, Kathy Lambrose, has the test. Positive. The nurse says, You want to keep it? (laughs) And we were going to have the baby. So that was kind of weird. But the point was, as soon as Kathy walked back there through that door, I remember sinking my head down. I remember my posture. And I remember saying to the Lord, Okay, Lord, you've got me. This is two days. I don't know anything about being born again. Never even heard the term. But okay, you. Got me. Please don't let her be pregnant. Because in that moment, a defining moment for me, I knew a yes pregnancy To As flaky and, and immature as I was, I knew my life was going this way. Was it going to continue to go this way? It was a profound defining moment. I'd love to share 41 years of God's incredible grace on our life, having our first daughter, who some of you know, Nicole Baird, uh, that August and on and on, on. wonderful story of grace. But as I studied this and thought about John, lots of amazing moments with the Savior. But this night, this night, and you'll see in a bit why I come to that conclusion, this night something happened that we're going to benefit from that helps us understand why. The people of God have this beautiful expression as we love one another. So anyways, John suddenly has this new radical reality defining uh, moment, it would appear. Think about it, in the next 24 hours, it's going to be crazy. Jesus just put in motion his betrayer. All the disciples are going to leave. And yet, in the gospel accounts, you ever wonder about this? John's hanging around that kangaroo court the next day. John's nearby when Jesus on the cross says, John, take care of my mom. John isn't really departed, and you wonder if this had an impact on him. Scripture doesn't say, but your sanctified imagination. But whether he has the full glory of the Son of God revealed to him or just a portion, uh, it would appear to have a profound impact on him, uh, and before Jesus gives this new commandment, um, and before these events really kick into gear, Jesus is going to give this commandment, and strangely enough, only John's gospel covers this what i do this part of the um, last supper so let's jump into our second point a new commandment let's look at verses 33 and 34 jesus just said now i will be glorified and then in verse 33 he says little children little children is how he starts that next segment the disciples are down to 11 now. Jesus speaks to them now as those that are truly destined to be part of the church. And he describes them as
1: little children. Little children.
0: The word in the original is technia. Most New Testament writers, when they talk about children, use the word padia. In fact, John could have used this plenty of times in telling the stories he does in his gospel. Picture Jesus on the shore when they're out fishing. He says, Children, you caught any fish? Padilla. No New Testament writer uses the word technia. Little children. No other gospel writer has this command in their gospel accounts. But John, in 1 John uses it seven times, seven times, as you'll see that in First John, he would appear. He's unpacking this commandment. So let's read it all. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Little children, 11 remaining. Little children, new commandments I give you. So let's ask the question, what's new about this new commandment? Just like now I will be glorified, that word's important to understand What's now about Jesus being glorified? Here, new is the key to understanding what's new about this new commandment. Because you see, if you study your Old Testament, right there in the law, when Israel received the law, Leviticus 19.18, there's the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So you could easily ask the question, well, this isn't new, Jesus. You're the Son of God. I'm confused. Let's dig a little deeper. Because, you see, John will come back to this in chapter 15. There's a section that this commandment uh, provides a book in. Chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you have love for one another as I have loved you. A little more gospel. Verse 17. This is my commandment that you love one another. So John definitely circles back on this commandment to love one another. So, think about it. At this point, the disciples, the remaining 11, have experienced Jesus' love for three plus years. They have experienced His care, His discipleship, His love, but so much of that has gone over their head because they were blinded with this ideal of Jesus getting Rome off their back so much, like all of us, they didn't grasp because they wanted something. And now they've just experienced Jesus washing their feet, Jesus loving Judas, his betrayer. In the next 24 hours, they are going to see an expression of love that absolutely would create new categories in their mind that they wouldn't even get for a while. Jesus would die. For their sins, Jesus would be mocked. Jesus would be dragged away,
1: handcuffed by the mob for their sins. An absolute kind of love that transforms, a love that they had yet to experience that degree of sacrifice. And love.
0: If you're here today, you're not a believer, you're not convinced of the claims of Christ, I just want to pause because we're going to unpack this commandment to love one another. But it's important here don't go out and try to obey this commandment until you've submitted to another commandment the commandment to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. The first commandment anyone attempts to obey is to repent of whatever you're currently believing, who Jesus is, who God is, and embrace and put your faith in the Jesus that's revealed in scriptures. That's your first commandment. And if you're new around here, there's plenty of people I know that would love to talk with you and help you with that. But that's the most important commandment for anyone who's not convinced they're a Christian, Who's wrestling with certain things, that's good. Keep wrestling, keep asking questions, keep getting help. But your biggest wrestling match is repenting of whatever you believe about Jesus and putting your trust in the biblical Jesus. So John takes an old commandment and adds newness to it by giving them a new commandment to love one another, quoting Jesus. So if John's first epistle is truly like an apostolic commentary. I mean, you love Carson and Piper and Kent Hughes and all those guys, but boy, if we got an apostolic commentary here that can help us understand what's going on here or right now, our question: What's new about this commandment? Let's go to it. First John chapter two, verses seven through eight, and you might as well keep your finger in there because we're going to look at some text here to help us. Let Scripture help us understand Scripture. First John chapter two. Verse 7 reads like this, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandments, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. Well, that's confusing, John. It's an old commandment. It's a new commandment. Absolutely. It is an old commandment to love one another. What's new about the new commandment? The cross of Jesus Christ ushers in light into the world. It's absolutely brand new. We are called to love one another now that we're on this side of the cross, now that light has opened up our eyes, transforming us, now that the blood of Jesus Christ cancels our sin we can look at this commandment in a whole new way a whole new way the cross accomplishes much much but here we learn that it's not just about mere behavior change here's one more brick to put in your christian backpack to love one another as christ loved The church. This is not a big WWJD bracelet that you're going to put on. It goes much deeper than that because mere behavior change does not include the life transforming, lightness casting out darkness event of the cross of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference. The Old Testament command to love one another was meant to help Israel understand. They needed something else besides their own power. They needed a Savior. We're on this side of the cross. And so this new commandment includes the life-transforming historic events that are going to happen within 24 hours of when these words were uttered. One day, all the darkness will be gone. One day... Lights will be ushered in and all darkness will be cast out. But until then, we have this command. Little children, love one another as I have loved you. Well, in the so-called apostolic commentary, it says the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. How? How? In the beauty of God's people. That's how. In the beauty of God's people, people that are free to walk in the light, people that have real and alien power outside of us to walk in the light, huge difference because we don't love one another to earn merit and credit before God. We love one another because he has loved us and transformed our lives. Oh, church, that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of God's people. We walk in a power outside of us to love one another. Judas chose to continue walking in darkness, to give up the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. So, yes, this is clearly a call. It's not less than having this evidence in our lives, evidence in our behavior, but it's much deeper than that. And here's more help from 1 John, that same text. Look at verses 9 and 10. 1 John 2, 9 and 10, as he continues, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, if you say and confess with your mouth that you're in the light, but your actions say you hate your brother, he's still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling you'll see john use this word abide an important word an important word for us who want to glorify god by reflecting this beautiful work of his love for us in a horizontal way in the church whoever loves his brother abides in the light those who love a life hating abide In the darkness. You see, church, every time you wash someone's feet, serve them, every time you sacrificially love them, as you abide in the glory and the goodness of your relationship with the Savior, in a small way you reflect the beautiful light that has come into the world because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how the light is coming into the world because God saves and transforms and puts us into a local church and we love one another and that's the beauty
1: of God's people on display.
0: But I want to give you a caution here. Our temptation, most people's temptation is to simply start to add this behavior to your life apart from the abiding in Christ. Church, this is not a call to copy what Jesus did. Certainly, we're not going to go die on a cross. This is a call to connect. This is a call to abide. This is a call to be in the light and let God Do this in our hearts so we can love one another with a power that's alien to our own selves. We don't merely copy behavior, but we connect with the Savior. Another way of saying the same thing, this new commandment is not a call to imitate, but a call to participate. You're participating in a vertical relationship, experiencing the beautiful love of the transformed grace of God purchased for us at the cross and letting it live out in your life in ways as God ordains. We don't copy, we connect. We don't imitate, we participate. It's much deeper than God simply adding another brick in your Christian backpack. So John has this radically new perspective. He writes that commentary in First John, we'll look at it a little bit more. But now it all comes together as the church, the New covenant church, sees this as their identity. And so third point is a new identifier. Let's look at verse 35 A new identifier. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By
1: this, this will be your new identifier the identifier
0: for the people of God. No longer Are you going to be identified by diet restrictions, geopolitical separation, ethnicity, or simply being identified by who you're following? That's how they were identified in the first century. You follow Jesus, I'm one of his disciples. You follow Gamaliel, I'm one of his disciples. No longer. How you love one another. How you interact with other fellow sinners will be a beautiful display of your identity. This will be the new ID. This will be the new bad for the church. This becomes very evident, again, as we look at First John. Turn with me to chapter 3 now and look at a few of these ways that he speaks of it. Hopefully this will create a hunger for you to go study it on your own. 1 John 3, 11 reads like this. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That we should love one another. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Vertical and horizontal. How do we know love? Jesus Christ experienced a horrific, ugly, bloody Unjust death. That's how we know love. And that empowers us to love one another. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth. See where he goes here? This is the message you have heard. Verse 11, by this we know love. Verse 16, verse 19, by this we know. You want to really know that you're in Christ? You want to really know?
1: Look for the love of God flowing through your hearts to other people. The church
0: and the beauty of God's people is that they are a group of people that simply put their trust in the Lord and then give themselves to loving one another. And an astute person might say, well, wait a minute, I haven't heard anything about trusting in the Lord. I've just heard this commandment. Well, this is where the commentary can help us. Look down in chapter 3 at verse 23, first John. And this is His commandment. One commandment. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. That we believe In the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we love one another, that now becomes our identifying identification
1: and badge. I asked my daughter to text me
0: this uh, uh, family motto they have. Uh, They have three little boys, and they are feisty, and they are busy. And I remember them spouting off their eight and six and two. And I remember the older ones spouting off the family motto. And it reminded me of, oh, that's dad trying, mom and dad trying to teach them, this is our family badge. This is our identifier. They take it from 2 Timothy 4, 7. And you, you gotta see these little kids code it, but they th- this is the family. Fight the fight, finish the race, keep the faith. Phillips family motto. They say it really fast. Fight the fight finish the race keep the faith philips family motto that's their family badge that's their identifier here we're learning that this new commandment is that we trust god and we love one another and that now is the beauty of the church that's the badge and if you'll notice back in our text he says that all will know not just other christians all This community is on display, this church community, to this larger community that all will know that you are identified with Jesus the Christ by your love for one another. You can't do that if you're an isolated Christian. You can't do that apart from the church. Hence, one another. (laughs) There's another party that has to be involved here. So we got this new identity. It's a beautiful thing. A little more to help round this out, and then we'll jump into some application. But here's from 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. What's the evidence that you've been born of God and know God? Love for one another. Flows out of that. Saving relationship that Christ gives us. Chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. We know we're of God because I have this impulse, however imperfectly I live it out, to love the brothers and sisters in the the body. Chapter 3, verse 10. It is evident who are the children of God. Oh, this is great. What is the evidence of who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Anyone who, uh, John, uh, 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God.
1: And then another one from 1 John
0: Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. So on and on we see the important connection of this badge, this new identifier. John takes his whole first epistle to help us unpack what this commandment is, and it's worthy of deeper study on your part. But at this point, let's jump into some application. So what does this look like in my daily life three quick ideas one your community groups we most of our churches actually have a structure that we can be intentional in this identifier we have a built in structure so we can practice loving one another the way it's laid out here in scripture Living life together, not, not just attending meetings, living life together is a beautiful way to put on display, one for your own heart, and two for an on looking community as you have relationships uh, in this, in this uh, Santa Ana area. And, and uh, having been around these for almost 25 years now, let me, let me just uh, pass on a, a little bit of. My experience, I think one of the most powerful ways we display the love of God is that difficult person in your community group, in your church, that never seems to make progress. Where's the best place for someone that just can't seem to quit yelling at his wife, to quit getting angry in his parenting? Joe, we've talked about this, every stinking community group. Where does Joe go? But around some loving Christians that understand our identifier is to continually and sacrificially love one another, even if we can't get him to transfer community groups. (laughs) I think that's one of the most Fascinating aspects of our community groups. I don't think you find that in very many other churches. It's hard to labor with someone. It's fun when you have a radical born again experience like me. Man, you're dropping sex, drugs, and rock and roll overnight. Ten years later, it's not happening that quick. Patience, loving, sacrifice, washing their feet continually bringing the observation, praying and on and on. It's a beautiful
1: display of God's love
0: to persevere with a difficult brother, to not get impatient. Five, 10, 15 years. Haven't been a pastor for 22 years. I typically like to follow up when people locate About three months in, they have great plans. Yeah, we're going to jump into this church. And, you know, you start new habits. uh, It can be difficult. Things can get hijacked very quickly. And I always uh, ask them, are you settled in a church? Are you confident it's a good gospel preaching church? And most people can find a good gospel preaching church in a new city. So I let them talk about all the new friendships and stuff. And I always ask this question. Are you in a small group? And I would say a very large percentage of the time, the answer is, we're trying. It's just not like what we used to have. You find the gospel, preaching, church, that structure to live out to one another's, to be the identifier for uh, loving one another, that beautiful aspect of the people of God.
1: It's hard. It's hard.
0: So love your local group. Love your small group. Love your community group. Uh, It is a built-in structure. Secondly, um, this one uh, really does uh, take the love of God pulsating in, in your heart, but grow in having a charitable disposition to one another. Work at the expression of loving one another by being unoffendable. Get to a place that by the grace of God, you've got thick skin. Get out of being easily hurt, easily offended. And that starts with when something happens, you heard something, you watched something, you have a charitable disposition. Lots of good people have written on this. But that is a there's tons of ways to apply this, but that's a beautiful way to put on display our new identity, loving one another as the people of God. Work hard as you grow, at being unoffendable. I am gonna think the best until the facts tell me otherwise, and I'm gonna love this brother or sister, in my heart,
1: or even interact with them, so that I'm ready when I have to deal with this. And then, I mentioned
0: this before, but take this on the road. I think you guys do this. I follow your newsletter. It's been fun to watch. Take this on the road. Uh, let people see your interactions when you're out in the community. I think you do a good job of this from what little bit uh, I can tell from the from the newsletter, but always remember: tell your children you are on display when you're out there. Uh, you you are putting on display your love for one another's by how you interact, have fun, take each other not too seriously, and so forth. So a third easy way you could add plenty more to this, but just remember this: the beauty of the church. Is the church loving the church? I picked that up in that guy's email this week. It's a great sentence. The beauty of the church, it's not complicated, is loving the church. That's our new identifier. So as the people of God, it's a beautiful thing for us to give ourselves to, to grow in, and to put on display for the community. Let's pray. Oh, Lord.
1: Thank you for this new
0: commandment. But as we thank you for this badge we get to wear, it reminds us of what it cost. It reminds us that this is no external commandment but an internal belief that you died and you have grace and power for us to do this. And so as we leave here today, Lord, I pray fresh ideas will start flowing through the minds of those of us here that we could see like John saw that it's a whole new day for those of us that are in Christ. And we have a great opportunity to display this transforming love we've experienced with one another in the church. Help us
1: to respond to your love by loving our church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.